Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to World Spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions, with your host, Rev. Paul John Roach. So, hello and welcome to World Spirituality on the Unity Online Radio Network. Yes, I'm your host, Paul John Roach, coming to you from a very warm day in early June in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, We've had a little bit of a glitch here. I'm coming to you by a phone, and I hope you can hear me. Okay, um, we just concluded our eight-week series on unity and world religions, which I thoroughly enjoyed. I hope you did too. And today I start anew with a refreshing and powerful book. It's entitled Scripting the Life You Want, Manifest Your Dreams with Just Pen and Paper. And the author, Royce Christen, is an actor, a speaker, author, and documentary film director. He's appeared in numerous films and television shows, including Drake and Josh, Zoe 101, and the Disney Channel's Emmy Award-winning sitcom, Wizards of Waverly Place, which is kind of cool, isn't it? So we have a Disney star on the show today. That's lovely. Um, He's appeared on several news and entertainment outlets across the globe. And like I said, he's going to talk to me about this new book, which combines classic new thought manifesting with some modern insights and twists and and it also brings Royce's passion because that's one thing the book is full of is uh, his passion for this subject so it's a pleasure to welcome Royce Kristen to today's show welcome glad you're with us wow thank you so much I gotta find out who wrote that intro because uh, that was pretty great <laughs> I'm really <laughs> yeah, happy to be go. here and uh, I'm so excited to, to be on your show um, I was actually looking up your uh, eight-week program that you had there and it, it looked really interesting so uh, it sounds like yeah, it, was it was a, a success a fascinating fascinating series yeah yeah thank you and did you go through each religion was it basically like I saw you did Buddhism Taoism was it was it how did it inter yeah, we, we picked, I picked uh, seven religions, and um, we saw how they, they, uh, the commonalities and sometimes the variations with the unity principles. So uh, it was, uh, you know, endeavoring to see that we're all defining the truth. And, um, so, yeah, it was fascinating. That's fascinating. All right, sorry, I just had to, <laughs> had to mention it because it looked so cool. <laughs> I yeah, appreciate you having you. me on. Well, you know, you start the book, and of course, Mitch uh, Horowitz wrote the foreword, and he mentioned it too, this little pamphlet that I remember reading when I first came into Unity, uh, and it's called It Works, and many of us listening today may have come across that little book. Um, It's a classic from years ago now, I think early years of the 20th century, Um, but it really, it sets out a lot of the principles that 
we're talking about in in your book, right? And and um, I think that's what attracted me to Unity in the first place. The very uh, those two words. It works, right? It's not just it a nice philosophy. Yeah, because it does work. Oh, whatever. It's, it actually can actually put it into practice. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So, um, like you mentioned, Mitch uh, Horowitz, who uh, I'm sure many listeners out there know, is he's a friend of mine. He's a he's a scholar, historian, really fascinating guy, a prolific author. And um, he actually, I, I don't even know if he mentions this in the forward. I don't think he does, but he gave me a copy of that book. It works. Uh, about five or six years ago when we first met, actually, the first day we ever met, he handed that to me, um, which was, you know, just an interesting little connector considering uh, he mentioned is because he compares uh, my my version. I have a, a very unique version of scripting, which is sort of an old law of attraction practice. And I, I, I retold it about 15 years ago when I was in my early teens uh, to great success. And, you know, most of the things that you mentioned, actually all of the things that you mentioned and more, uh, including, you know, being on Disney Channel and all the way up to having, you know, my soulmate. Uh, I've been together with the same person for 10 years and manifesting all sorts of things came from uh, this practice that I developed. And Mitch likens it, the easiness and the simpleness of it to uh, the book It Works. So I full circle. You also <laughs> saw that little pamphlet when you first joined Unity. It seems to be uh, the starting point for a lot of people. But in my book, what, what, what I think is interesting for people out there who read it, I always say, you know, I, I, I have the best publishing team in the world, but I did not pick this title. And it's a little, at first I was a little, uh, I was a little worried about it because I thought people would go, oh, it's just another Law of Attraction book. But uh, it's, it's interesting because it's sort of a Trojan horse. And I mean that in the best way possible because the first half of my book is all about my very unique practice and my and, and it tells my story of how I got into it, which we could talk about. But the second half, uh, chapters five through ten, uh, it sort of tricks people because and, and what I love to do is I'm a giant science nerd and I love researching and, and breaking down really, you know, sometimes complex or tricky scientific uh, theories or, or uh, things that have been written or research papers. And I like putting them into words and terms that people can understand and explain, which is something that was taught to me by my best friend, Dr. Dina Grayson, who also endorsed the book. But anyway, the book is interesting. It's 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 two things in one. It's 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 a really easy and I feel unique uh, manifesting manual, and it is also the book that I hope people have on their shelves for years to come uh, to 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 help them understand, but not just for themselves, but for anybody back it up. And, and that's not just quantum physics, which you hear about over and over again. I, I have 20 pages where I finally lay out the appropriate uh, explanation of quantum physics and quantum mechanics, but there's 100 pages of other sorts of sciences that cover everything from audiology, the study of hearing, to neurology. And I think it's really important, especially for the skeptics and the people who maybe aren't uh, wanting to try out these techniques that I talk about or any of us talk about as far as manifesting goes, uh, it's important to have something to reference and always go back to that has some really solid science in it. And a lot of the science uh, wasn't put forth until the last book to put it together and uh, have it all sort of in one package. But um, the, the, the practice itself is, is really simple. And uh, the, the manual it works is, is definitely part of the story of this book. But as far as the story of how I found 
out uh, how to create and manifest actually goes a lot further back because I grew up in a family where my mom and my grandmother both taught me the principles of new thought and positive thinking when all my other friends in kindergarten and first grade and you know primary school were going to uh, maybe Catholic school or Sunday school or, or Hebrew school uh, I had Sundays with my mom and my grandma where they would teach me meditation and they would teach me positive thinking so from a very young age uh, that's that. That's my background. And then when I was 14, which is a story I opened my book with, uh, my mom handed me a book that changed my life. Sorry about that, guys. If you're listening live today, we're having uh, some more glitches with the phone now. So uh, I don't know what's going on exactly, but we're persevering because uh, that's the only way to go forward, right? Um, so that's we're right. Back with, uh, with Royce Kristen, and we're talking about his book, uh, Scripting the Life You Want. And we're doing that right now. <laughs> we're creating the world. <laughs> we are. We live in a universe of infinite possibilities, we say in, in Unity and New Thought. And um, that's really a part of the underpinning of what, what we're talking about in this book, right? That, that uh, the universe is a, is a very fluid, open, and magnificent place. And, and we'll really give us exactly what we want if we have the um, intention and focus to, to attract that into our lives. And, and Royce has proved this in his own life. You know, he's gone from just a regular guy to somebody that succeeded in, uh, in show business and, and in, on television and, and in film. And, and is now, you know, writing these books about that. So it's, uh, it's proof positive that this stuff works. Not only that, but uh, he's a very young man and with great success. So, uh, that's testimony, I think, right there. And we were we were talking. I think Royce, you were explaining some of your. Uh, you grew up in a new thought background, right? But uh, I did. That. I did, and uh, and everything you just said was 100% accurate. So um, you know, I grew up with my mom and my grandmother teaching me about new thought, meditation, the power of positive thinking, and, and the idea really that you could create your life to be whatever it is that you want, because the universe is fluid. And when I was um, young, I used that. I mean, you know, I, I absolutely created things when I was younger. Um, and then I was always sort of having this issue with there was, it felt like something was missing, which I think is true for a lot of people who study maybe just the law of attraction or, or manifestation. They feel like there's some things missing every once in a while. And when I was 14, I opened my book with this story um, because it's just so crucial. And it's the pivotal moment that changed everything from, you know, as far as manifesting goes for me. But when I was 14, we were, uh, my family, I grew up uh, right outside of Philadelphia in a little town in a suburb there uh, of New Jersey. And every year we would go to this island. And it sounds really fancy, but it's not. It's just connected by a bridge. Uh, it's called Chicoteague Island in Virginia. And it's about a four-hour drive from where I grew up. So every year we would go for a couple of days. And um, I was having uh, something that never happened, which was, you know, when you're, when you're young and a teenager in high school, having a fight with your best friend, it's, you know, it's a very big deal. And cell phones and communication weren't what they are today. This is back in 2003. And so I got in the car to go to this little trip with, with my family to this island. And I had gotten in this massive fight with my best friend. And as we were driving, my mom had been reading a book that was sent to her, ironically, through a book club that she doesn't remember joining. Um, she paid for the books, but they always kept coming, and she has no memory to this day of, of ever joining. So I always think that's funny that the – I always say the universe signed her up for a book club so that I could get 
the book that uh, she ended up handing me. So what happened was halfway through that drive, um, she turned around and she could see that I was just not in a great state of mind. And she handed me a book called Excuse Me, Your Life is Waiting by Lynn Grabhorn. And um, it's a book that was written in 1999. So about six or seven years before The Secret. And it was really the first, I think, New York Times bestseller that talked about the law of attraction. And it was based on the teachings of Esther Hicks. And I didn't know who any of those people were, what any of that was. But what I loved about this book, and I immediately was just entranced by it, was that it provided the missing key, that missing component to me, which was the importance of feeling and emotion in your manifesting work. It's not just thought. You have to feel like you have the thing that it is that you want, and you have to use your emotions as a guidance system, which is, of course, what the Hicks teach. So this book was fascinating, and I asked my dad for a highlighter. And he was one of those dads that always had like a thousand different, you know, stationary tools in his truck for some reason. So uh, I started highlighting everything. And by the 100th page, the whole book was yellow. And I said, all right, well, I'm not going to highlight anymore. And I spent those next four days on that trip. I didn't even go to the beach. I just stayed inside our our little uh, rental. And I read the book three or four times. And one of the practices that Lynn Grabhorn talked about was scripting. And for anybody out there listening um, who's heard of scripting before, They've probably heard of the the very uh, old version, which is the idea that you pick a want. So maybe your want is that you want to live in a mansion. I'll just say something really basic. And the old version of scripting would be that you get on uh, an imaginary phone call with your family member, say your best friend, and you talk out loud for maybe 10 or 15 minutes about how great it is to already live in that mansion and how beautiful it is and how the furniture looks and, you know, how happy you are. And with the goal of that type of scripting being to get into the feeling place of already living there and the idea being that when you do that enough, uh, the thought creates the feeling, the feeling creates the emotion, which is the gas and the magnetism that would then bring in new manifestation. So um, this, is a very, uh, this is a very short version of, 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 of old school law of attraction for everybody out there listening. Anyway, um, I was fascinated by that practice, but I didn't like the idea that talking out loud made me and sounded to me like a crazy person. <laughs> and I use that term lovingly. It just made me feel nuts, like the idea of talking out loud. But um, as soon as we got home from that trip, I still was in the fight. I hadn't talked to my best friend. I, I t- tell the story in full in the book in the first chapter, but um, I decided to go up to my uh, bathroom and turn the shower water on because I figured it would mute out my uh, talking out loud. And I, I pretended to have this very lengthy conversation with my best friend. And I, I'm, I'm a tester. I like to push things a little bit. So I added in all these weird details, like her dad buying us 10 pizzas and going to a really weird uh, place over the weekend that we would never go to a very different boardwalk and just all sorts of weird stuff. I lay it out in the book. And um, so I, I did that old version of scripting out loud. And Uh, I did it for about 10 minutes, then I actually got in the shower, and within one minute of finishing and getting in the shower, my uh, old flip phone rang, and it was my best friend, and word for word, thing for thing, everything that I scripted came true, and I was 14 years old, and I was now horrified and very excited at the same time, because I thought, oh my God, if this works, then either I've just discovered the best thing ever that no one knows about, or everyone knows about it and just no one's told me yet, so um, I, I kept scripting that way, and, and I, I really had some great successes, like, constantly with it. But I made the mistake of, of telling my friends, the fellow 14- and 15-year-olds, and um, they, you know, as kids sometimes do, they, they made me feel like I was crazy. 
And uh, I put the book down for about 18 months. And that was uh, during the period that I went back to the old school, uh, you know, stuff that I learned from my, my mom. And, and, you know, I meditated and I, I used my mind and older versions of basically the manifesting that I've been taught and ended up moving to Los Angeles at age 16. And um, I don't know how much time we have in this segment, but uh, basically within about three or four months of moving to Los Angeles, I got mugged. And uh, the book, because of getting mugged, that book, Excuse Me, Your Life is Waiting, ended up back in my hands that day. So I'd love to tell that story. I just don't know how much time we have right this second. Yeah, we we have about five or so minutes, I think. In that. Oh, great. Before you tell All the right. story, though, uh, I just want to say that, that, you know, the old school way of, of using attraction has kind of been uh, mocked, wasn't it, by Saturday Night Live, you know, the the old Stuart Smalley uh, right. talking in the mirror, you know, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and by golly, people like me and all that. <laughs> you know, it's been sort of mocked to scorn, really. And, and this stuff is way more, um, uh, I, I would say, elegant and um, noble than that, right? It's, it's not something Absolutely. to mock. It's something that's very... Powerful. It's the way. Actually, I think I think it's the way God creates. You know, the way the universe is put together. So we're we're aligning 100%. ourselves with those entities, right? And, exactly. And so that's that's, that's very exactly what we're doing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's that's the thing. You know, I find it really funny uh, when places like SNL make fun of it because almost every person in in the entertainment industry that I know uses some form of manifestation, whether they label it that or not. Um, And some of it isn't so elegant. So (laughs) I think that they make fun of it uh, because maybe it it was the thing to do, but it definitely always has made me laugh because I mean, so many people use this and never mention it publicly. But um, anyway, so once I moved here, uh, I was 16 years old and I, uh, most people out there who, I'm sure have heard the rumors. Uh, Los Angeles likes to sleep. That <laughs> there, it's it's not a very lively town in the morning like uh, New York or, or London or, or anywhere on the East Coast or in Europe. It's very quiet here, um, and things don't really get moving till maybe 10 o'clock in the morning. So I had a very early for LA 8 a.m. acting class uh, that I always went to uh, with my coach, and because um, I, I am a morning person, just I always am, always have been, and I lived in this little tiny apartment right behind the. Um, the Chinese theater, the famous uh, theater that everyone knows about where the stars put their handprints in the cement. I lived just not even a full quarter of a block uh, behind it. And um, we didn't have parking because it was a really old building. So I would always have to park up the hill a little bit on the street. And I went to go to uh, go to walk to my car and it was silent outside because everybody was asleep. Um, And as I was walking to go across the street to get to my car, a man came up with a very large knife. To this day, I don't know what kind of knife it was, except it was very sharp and very pointy and very long. And, uh, you know, grabbed me and and did the whole give me your money thing. (laughs) I tell the story in the book a little bit longer, but uh, long story short, I was able to give him $20 without giving him my wallet. And I was terrified, um, obviously, and I didn't want to walk back to my apartment because I didn't want him to see where I lived. So I, I, I ran up to my car and I was in this state of sort of, you know, a lot of people say, well, I need you call the cops right away. And I don't know, you know, when you're going through a trauma, you, I wasn't thinking clearly. All I could think about was that I wanted to go somewhere safe that was open that early and also, you know, would just be a place where I could kind of gather my thoughts. And about four or five blocks from where I lived and where I was at the time was a giant 
Borders Bookstore on Sunset Boulevard. And for those listening, there's been a, quite a few interviews I've done for this book where people, I know you remember uh, what Borders is, but a lot of listeners uh, I've found, especially the younger ones, don't know what Borders is. So it's just like Barnes & Noble, but it was the other big bookstore uh, for a very long time. So I, I drove there sort of in a daze, and I don't even remember getting out of my car or walking in. But when I started to, to come to, if you will, and really get back in my body and, and, and kind of gain some clarity of what just happened with the mugging, I was in an aisle of Borders Bookstore, and I looked down, and I, I 100% started laughing because right in front of me was the book, Excuse Me, Your Life is Waiting, which I had put down sort of in, in anger and upset because of being made fun of. And I laughed. I looked up at the universe and I said, okay, all right, I get it. I'll buy it. So I bought it and um, got back in my car. And weirdest thing, if, if the timing of this is so strange, because if I hadn't left the moment that I did, and if I hadn't, you know, parked when I did and all of that, then I wouldn't have seen uh, about a block and a half from the bookstore as I was driving home on my way. I saw these cops and there was someone getting arrested and it was the guy who mugged me. So it was a completely full circle uh, event where I always say the universe mugged me, but it was the best thing that ever happened because if I hadn't had that book put back, if, if it hadn't been put back into my life rather um, at that time when I was 16, um, it wouldn't have started the journey that continues today. Uh, you know, I became obsessed with the idea of, of manifesting and manifestation and, and the science behind it and the different systems behind it. And, and not just the, the very, you know, the, the, again, the secret wasn't out yet, <laughs> even at this point, you know, now we're in 2005 when that came out, I thought it was fantastic just that it was finally something the mainstream was talking about. Um, but, you know, this is a journey for so many of us that, that is, is, is very uh, unique and varied. And for me, I wanted to find out what worked because I was in LA and, I had everything uh, that you could possibly want. You know, most people come out here, they don't even have an agent. I had, you know, the agent and the manager and the lawyer and the publicist, and I was screen testing. I would I'd get down to out of maybe 200 people who auditioned, it would get down to me and someone maybe a little bit uh, more well-known, and they would get it, and that was happening a lot. So this journey began of really trying to find out, out of all these practices, including scripting, you know, which one worked. And what happened was, over the course of two or three years, I started to create out of uh, other, you know, things that I would research or different things I would test out my own uh, little system. And it became a very easy, very fun three-step system that ended up uh, exploding to the point where it worked with everything and anything and still works to this day. I do it every morning. And, you know, I, I always tell people that uh, the, the, the funniest thing about the, 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 the things that I teach, and, you know, I, I started teaching it privately, and we'll, we'll get into the meat and bones. I just, I know you said we had five minutes, so I'll tell you the, the moment I found right, out it worked when we come back. But, um, yeah. yeah, but um, basically, I, once people started asking me what the heck happened, because they could see I was, you know, booking things and working and everything was going amazing, I started teaching it privately, and I did that for about 15 years up until two or three years ago when uh, Mitch, who we talked about in the beginning, he said, you have to write this stuff down and start teaching this to people because your stuff is so simple, but it, it, it's really, really powerful. And that's the cool right. thing about it. So I and love it. To... So, yeah, yeah, that's true. Oh, we got to take a break. I'm, I'm with uh, Royce Kristen. We're talking about his book, Scripting the Life You Want. And although he was mugged, it was a, a leap forward in a sense. And and it, it's it's difficult sometimes to see life in that way. You know, when misfortune happens, it actually can be a, a spur to new opportunities. And we certainly affirm that right now in our nation as we go through 
struggles like we've never seen in uh, in decades, and uh, affirm that something new and wonderful is coming forth from from this these these traumas. Um, anyway, join us in a couple of minutes after these messages from Unity. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. We now return to World Spirituality with Reverend Paul John Roach. All right, welcome back to today's show, which has been full of glitches, but that's okay. It's just a glitch in the matrix, folks, as to quote a phrase <laughs> from this book, uh, Scripting the Life You Want. Manifest your dreams with just pen and paper by Royce Christen, who's a well-known actor and now a writer. And it's been fascinating so far discussing uh, these these wonderful topics. And uh, Royce wanted to talk a, bit, a little bit about the, the foundation for the, the scripting and the, the final breakthrough to that. So tell us about that. Yeah. So uh, it's funny you mentioned the glitch in the matrix because chapter seven, uh, there's actually a subtitle called glitch in the matrix, but I think you knew that already. (laughs) Um, So yeah, basically I was looking for, for, you know, the secret came out 2006 and I was, you know, I was in these great uh, meditation groups and classes and I, I was re, you know, between auditioning and, and working and going to class and, you know, all these different things. Basically, my entire life was consumed by or consisted really uh, of going to bookstores, buying books every week and reading them and, and, and on how to create your own life. And it, it was something I loved. It was fun for me to try out these, you know, literally thousands of different processes. But I kept coming back to scripting because the the amazing thing about it, but also the big problem with it was that out of Every 100 times I would script, maybe only five or 10 of them would uh, come true and manifest. But those five or 10 times would manifest with 100% accuracy. And that was very frustrating because I knew that meant that there was something there, that there was something really amazing there. Um, And, you know, I was, like I said, I had trouble with, I hated the idea at this point. I was just basically would always script in my car driving, you know, between auditions or screen tests or to my agent's office or wherever I was, if I had 10 minutes and yet I wanted to try out scripting, I would, I would be doing the the version that everybody learns about, which is out loud, uh, talking out loud to yourself. And I didn't love that. Um, but again, it worked when it worked, it, it really worked. So what happened was, uh, in 2007, and I lay all this out in the book, uh, some really interesting things happened. So I, I, I came up with my, my, my system is really only three and a half steps, I like to say. And it takes about five minutes in the morning and about two minutes at night. But, man, it is powerful. Um, but how that started was uh, the, the first step uh, I created first. And that was uh, my own take on a, a, a dream list or a goal list. And I call it my daily want list. So what I started doing was, and I, I explain why these numbers are important, but I, I landed around uh, the magical number being between three and seven. So every day 
Um, and you could do this in, in a notebook. Uh, you could do it on your computer, on your, on your iPhone. It really doesn't matter. I've had uh, clients do it every single way. I've done it every way. And you could do any of the things I'm about to talk about on any medium as long as you do them. Um, and these aren't things you hang on to. You can get rid of them or delete them uh, every day or every week. But every day you're going to write three to seven once. Um, and you're going to frame it as an intention. So instead of saying, let's say for me, uh, I want to weigh 150 pounds or I want to own a specific house, I would say I intend to healthfully weigh 150 pounds or I intend to own uh, 3931 you know, Main Street or whatever. And the reason you change it from I want to I intend is because it, it takes the power and it puts it back into your hands and it doesn't, you know, it changes the energy of the desire. Now, one of the big things that I recommend that people do with their daily want list is A, keep it very simple, keep it fast. Uh, you can do big things, small things, but when you're starting out, uh, there's a couple things you wanna make sure you're including every day and it changes every day. The same thing can be on it. Uh, you know, you can mix and match, swap things out. Uh, sometimes I'll have something on my want list for seven straight days and then it won't come up again because it manifests or sometimes it'll only be on there one time. But when you're very, when you're, when you're starting out, you want to make sure that some of your intentions are like this. You want to put, I intend to know what I want. I intend to know what I need. I intend to be a master manifester. I intend to be a master creator. You want to Think outside the box and flip the script, no pun intended, and you want to make sure you're letting the universe know because uh, a lot of people don't know what they want, and that's not true when they say that because they do know one thing. They want to know what they want, so I always recommend people put that down on that list. And, you know, in addition to the things that they already are excited about or have been dreaming about, but so that's, that's the first step is your daily want list. And then the second step that I came up with in 2007, about a month later, was the belief list. Now, the belief list is really easy, and the thinking behind it, there's actually a lot of science behind it I talk about in my book. But you look at the thing day by day. So, you know, for today, for example, you look at your three to seven once, and you look and find maybe the one or even two things that you just feel on a, on a visceral level that are the closest or closer to manifesting or coming true. And you write on this new page, belief list, and you just rewrite them as, I know I will healthfully weigh 150 pounds, or I know I will own, or I know I will easily own, or I believe I will easily own this house. It's really simple stuff. So those things, while they seem, and they are very simple, and they sound very easy because they are, they started to shift the energy around me, um, and they started to bring things into my life, but it wasn't 100% yet. So what happened was there was this really, really uh, great show uh, coming up on Disney Channel. I've been in at Disney a lot. Um, I've been going in for a show uh, that a lot of people remember called Hannah Montana. I've been auditioning a lot. Uh, the, the network was really kind to me. They were so nice, and they, 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 they just were bringing me in a lot. But it was that same thing where, you know, I would get very close or I would get down to me and someone else. And it wouldn't be me. And I heard about a new show that they were creating called Wizards of Waverly Place. And it was starring this actress that everybody was buzzing about, Selena Gomez. And uh, I really wanted to be on the show. I really, like, I, I absolutely, I just felt like it was everything and more, especially I was 19 years old at the time. And I wanted to do a sitcom. It was on Disney. It was perfect. And uh, I had been keeping a journal, just a regular nighttime journal for, for probably about three or four years. And I was lamenting one day to a friend of mine in my meditation class about 
how I really wanted to figure out what the key to scripting was because I knew if I could do that, then I could book this role and book all the roles that I wanted. And she said, well, why don't you go back and look in your journal? Maybe, you know, because you always write, which is true. I always wrote down what happened during the day, but I also wrote about, you know, what manifestation practice I would try and how that would go. And for whatever reason, it was just that moment where everything clicked when she said, why don't you go look in your journal? And I hadn't thought about it before. So I ran into my journal and, as I, and I went home and I was looking through it and I realized, oh my God, <laughs> I have to not script out loud. I have to write it and I have to write it in the morning and just make it a journal entry as if it is the end of the day. Basically starting my day with a fake journal that talks about how that day went and then at night, continue my real journal with the goal being that after a few days or weeks, you can't tell the difference, or in this case back then, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference between what I was writing in the morning in my scripting journal and what I was writing at night in my real journal. And that's when it exploded open. So I added a one-page daily script to my want list, belief list, and now my daily script. And things started manifesting like wildfire. And I, I was very conscious. And now there's amazing science that is so cool that explains why this is important. But I was really conscious of adding and keeping in really boring things. This is a really important thing. If, if anybody out there listening, if you get nothing else uh, from what I've said, please take this with you. It's really important to include your dentist appointment. If you're waking up first thing and you're writing your script, pretending it, the day's already happened, and you know you have a dental appointment or you're eating dinner with the in-laws or you have whatever already on the schedule, make sure when you're folding in how your day went, quote-unquote, you're putting in the appointments and the mundane. I call it the magic of the mundane. Put those things in because there is a lot of science that backs up what starts to happen to your perception and what your brain starts to do uh, in conjunction with your scripting. So I did that for a few weeks, and then uh, about three or four weeks into that, uh, this now three-step process, I started doing a 10-day script once a week, which was the same thing, except on Sundays I would not do my normal daily script, but I would do a script where I would date it ahead. 10 days or two weeks and um, write backwards, just very simple stuff. It's, it's for people out there who don't like to write, this is not exhaustive. These are not long books you're writing every week. <laughs> but um, so I would write backwards basically of how it went. And uh, I actually have the original journals and the original notebooks and they are real. I had to get them certified and sent them in and everything. Uh, there are copies of these pages in, in my book, Scripting the Life You Want. Um, but it's awesome because the first 10 day script I did Every single thing came true, even to the date that I had just kind of arbitrarily made up. Uh, and, uh, and that is what allowed and pushed forward. And you can read the whole story, but that is what uh, got me the role on Disney Channel. And once that happened, I started implementing scripting in everything. And I have had wonderful successes. And I started teaching this very simple process to everybody. Like I mentioned earlier, I have a lot of clients and business and real estate uh, companies really really like it because it's something that's not too far out there that they are afraid to bring me in, but it's out there enough and it works really well that they're excited to, to take a day to, to work on it. So, you know, I've had incredible success with this, but what's really exciting for me and with this book is the science that there's so many things that I knew worked for the last 15 years, but I can never explain. And like I said, I'm a science nerd and the science that has come out just in the last you know, five years is, is fascinating. And the bridge that's forming uh, in, in the direction that I never thought 
it would come from, which is from science reaching out to our world and, and saying, hey, uh, you know, you guys have been talking about this for a long time. What is this? You know, there, there's a, a physicist that I spoke with recently he said I'm a recovering physicist because we don't we're not equipped to deal with this the only you know tools that we have to look to to help explain so many of the things you know from I mean just string theory happened to be what we were talking about at that point but there's a million different examples but the only tools they have are spiritual tools things that you know we've talked about for a very long time and I think that's fascinating so I, I dive into that in the book because there's a lot of tools we can gather and use in our daily lives that are very simple, that are a merge of science and spiritual practices. Right. So just to recap, then, the, the, you, you want your daily want or intention list, your belief list, then your script, right, where you script out the day. And at the end right. of the and day, night, you, you write the actual journal, journal, right? You see how close right. you are to to the script that you wrote at the beginning of the day. So there's a, there's a congruence there. And I, and I guess the more work you do on this, right, the more focused your intentions yeah, are, the, you know, you notice that the day it, unfolds it pretty much as weeks. you intended, right, that uh, you're in, yeah, the, they, flow of, in the flow of that, which brings us to the science of it. Like you said, there's some fascinating chapters in the book, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed that part of the book as well, um, you know, talking about the nature of time and uh, or the fact there isn't any time in the way that we think of it, right, in linear terms. So, and so we're in this, um, some people call it the matrix or, or the, the infinity of, of um, all that's happening. Uh, and, you know, the, what, what is it? The block universe theory, I think, is another one. Um, yeah, this, the block this, uh, universe fractals, theory. Of course, you mentioned, uh, you know, the famous uh, Spierpinski uh, triangle, right, which is, which is fractals unfolding um, and memes and things like that. They, they're, they're all... Um, fluid shapes in the universe if you like and and we can we can tap into that we are, well actually we are part of that right so so we're i think this is how any genius actually creates right um you know is the, you know often people say there was a blank piece of paper and, and then the novel appeared right it came seemingly oh, out of the, out of nowhere because it didn't it came out of the universe but uh it threw our subconscious realms in into this this writing I think Elon Musk is a good example, isn't he? He's, sometimes he can be exasperating, as all geniuses are, I guess. But but what what an amazing man to have you know done all that he's done at a very young age. So another oh, example absolutely. of somebody that's totally um, not accepting conventional reality, right? But it's open to um, you know infinity, if you like. So he's he's another one that's practicing this the this same scripting, I think. Well, yeah, and you know, I, I I love the examples you brought up, and and yes, everything else that you just mentioned. I I, I write a lot about perception in my book, um, and and the science of perception. Uh, there's a fa fascinating professor here in California, at the University of California, Irvine, uh, Donald Hoffman. He has a TED talk I recommend everyone watch, but I, I write about it in the book. And essentially, you know, he like his studies on how the human eye and the brain perceive what's really going on around us in the world are just they're mind blowing. And this is not some fringe scientist or fringe, you know, like they like to say, professor who's on the edge. This is a 
a very, uh, very respected man of science who, you know, began studying or looking into an older study of, of an Australian jewel beetle. Um, and it's, it's, it's a really interesting story, but it led him to start studying human perception. And, and what he came to realize was that uh, evolution does not favor reality when it comes to perception. And, you know, what we see through our eyes, our physical eyes are, are closer to uh, the best example, and I, I put it in the book and he uses it, is when we're looking at a computer desktop. We have files on the desktop and, and pictures, but, you know, that file uh, is not a real file folder. And inside of that file might be a speech you're going to give or the, the script for your radio show, but it's not actually a physical script. And beyond, beyond that, we don't actually see the diodes and the, the electrodes and all the things that make up the screen of, of our computer. Um, because we don't need to, you know, uh, evolution uh, makes us uh, so that we can survive. And, and, and whether you believe in evolution or not, even, you know, regardless, the way our physiology is and our bodies are, our, our primary concern, and this comes down to a lot of these things you just mentioned, uh, like memetics and memes, and also this perception is, you know, what's going to make us survive. So um, you could read about it in the book, but I believe basically we are, uh, as far as manifesting goes, what, what really we're doing is altering our perception, and, and it's already there. Uh, one really fun thing that I teach my students and my clients is it's, uh, something in the back of our brains called the reticular activating system, and it's a clump of neurons at the base of our skull, but basically it acts as our brain filter. And the first time I ever heard about it was from, uh, I'm sure a lot of people out there know who Mel Robbins is. She's a great inspirational speaker, um, but she had mentioned it and started me researching down a rabbit hole. But basically, um, it is the thing that filters out the unnecessary or not uh, what it considers not necessary things in our day. And a lot of people over the years, we talk about, you know, if you hear 1111 or 333 or maybe a weirder word like Windsor, Queen Elizabeth, and suddenly it feels like they're everywhere. You see 1111 constantly. Well, you're not really imagining it. You are. But the reason is you have utilized your reticular activating system or your, I call it the extra com for extra communication system. Um, and that functions in two ways. It, you, it, it focuses only on what is going to make you survive. And it focuses also the second part on what you tell it to. So one really fun tool, uh, actually I write about this in, in my next book, which is coming out next year, um, but it is utilizing that. So I always used to lose my keys and uh, my reusable drink mug for my water and uh, my phone. And once I started learning about this filter in the back of our head, which I do write about in this book, but I don't write about this little process I developed, um, afterwards but basically when i would lose things i would just say in my head hey brain where are my keys or hey brain where's my mug and i would just go let it go and within 60 seconds maybe two minutes tops i would see it and the reason is i would find those keys or i'd find those mugs is because your brain is taking in hundreds of thousands of bits of information every second as far as what's in your environment. But it's not letting you remember or be aware of everything because it doesn't need to because you, you wouldn't survive. If you look at a Facebook page even, I mean, if you were actually to take in every single item on that page, you would you know go nuts. So your brain kind of acts the same way. And when you consciously say, hey, where are my keys or, hey, where's my mug, uh, your filter unfilters it for you and it puts it back into your perceived reality, it puts it back into your perception. And I started teaching this to my business clients and my students, and they came back to me going, Royce, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> you know, I'm just, hey, hey, brain, where's this? Or, hey, brain, where's that? And it works. And I said, that's because, you know, it, it's, it's another form of manifesting. I had 
uh, a woman who actually ended up manifesting a 10, I think it was actually $10.5 million real estate contract that she had been going after because she used my scripting practices and, util- and learned about how to use the filter in her brain. And she had been passing the sign every single day outside of a bookstore advertising an entrepreneur who was uh, doing a book signing, but she passed that sign for weeks until she started using, I actually went to her office. Uh, she, she was a student of a friend of mine who uh, had asked me to come in and teach everybody. And uh, basically, long story short, the sign was advertising a book signing. She had never, she never looked at it. It was in her reality, it was in her perception, but it was being filtered out. She did my practice and ended up on the very day of the signing. She happened to notice it. She went in, she met this very famous man. Uh, they struck up a friendship and he offered her uh, the contract to you know, be the real estate agent for this massive piece of property. I actually wrote an article uh, for New Dawn about it, but um, that's a great example right there of what you just said and, and what I just talked about as well, which is you know, reality and, and, and manifesting. It's all right in front of us. It's all perception. It's all what we are perceiving and what we're not perceiving. And I think we're really right. selecting things. And one thing I'd like to mention here for people listening is, you know, because sometimes you you have these techniques and they don't seem to work. I know a lot of people talk about that in my career as a minister. You know, I tried to do all the affirmations, visualizations. Um, it didn't work, you know. And I think part of it is trusting. You know, we don't trust that we are in this kind of universe that's um, infinitely flexible and, and where possibility is is just around the corner for us, you know. That we have inbuilt in into our system, unfortunately, this idea that, oh, I knew it was too good to be true, etc. And we, so we sabotage our good, right, instead of allowing it to uh, to be there. And I think, I think this idea, asking your brain to, you know, guide you uh, to something, is is trusting. You're trusting the wisdom of your of your not just your brain, but your whole being, to to know more than you know, right? And and so. Uh, it's getting over yourself. But I think sometimes we don't exactly. we stay in the, well, well, and the level of thinking uh, instead of moving into this level of uh, super awareness. And, and uh, I think you, you've, you managed to tap into that. And that's the, that's the shift we're, we're looking for, I think. I agree. And, and I, 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 um, I wanted to add to that, that, you know, there's chapter nine of my book is about memes and memetics, which I used to think were just silly little pictures online. And when I found out that it was this fascinating area of study, uh, that there's even a, a U.S. military handbook on uh, memetic warfare, I was blown away. And it explained to me, actually, um, and I highly recommend, uh, you know, there's I, I, a lot of free materials that I've written out there uh, on memes. But, um, you know, one of the things that I learned was uh, from Richard Brody, who wrote one of the seminal books on memetics in the 90s. And I just want to give a quote here because it applies real fast. But um, he says, uh, your thoughts are not always your own original ideas. You catch thoughts, you get infected with them, both directly from other people and indirectly from, quote, viruses of the mind, unquote. People don't seem to like the idea that they aren't in control of their thoughts. The reluctance of people to even consider this notion is probably the main reason the scientific work done so far is not better known. And that's the quote from Brody. And, and what I realized when I studied memetics and 
was able to then pass on to my students was, um, you know, we actually, they call it mind viruses. That's not some scary thing. There are really positive, uh, you know, it's, it's, memes are, are akin to genes. Uh, so basically where a gene is biological and uh, a, a meme is a cultural uh, evolutionary uh, unit of measurement. And there are really positive ones like hygiene and there are really negative ones uh, like, you know, terrorism. But basically because of mass media, mass communication, what happens is we catch thoughts and we have thoughts in our brain that are not our own and they, they stay there. And, you know, if thoughts create the feelings and emotions that create the manifestations in our lives, uh, that means that there are thoughts that we didn't even come up with on our own that are manifesting things in our reality. Once I realized that that was the key to why so many times people would use affirmations, law of attraction, but it wouldn't work, it was memes. And I, I, that's why I devoted a whole chapter to it because I figured it out. And I figured out how easy it was to fix this. But that's why it doesn't work for so many people who come up to you or me and they say, oh, this stuff doesn't work. It's, uh, it's purely in this very uh, scientific and strange world of, of memes and memetics. And the best news ever is, I mean, I, I talk about how to fix that in, in my book at the last two chapters, but it's really simple. And uh, people, I think, are really shifting uh, when they combine these really simple tools, uh, their lives are just turning around and things that they tried for years to make work, uh, you know, with manifestation and their spiritual practices suddenly are working better than they could have ever prayed for. And you end the book with uh, a technique, you know, which I'm familiar with from way back, you know, which we used to call treasure mapping. Um, now they call it vision boarding. Um, you, you know, you're calling it a picture script. Uh, but we learn so much through the, through the visual, don't we? Through through pictures, and our, our uh, even more than words, perhaps, you know, because they're more primal. Right. Um, and so, putting together a picture script is is immensely powerful too. And we don't have time to talk about that, but I did want to mention that is in the book, folks. Um, so there's a, that's another thing to look at is uh, these these picture scripts. Um, classic uh, unity or new thought technique, but uh, again with a with a more modern twist from from Royce. Um, uh, let me tell you about next week's show, and then I want to ask Royce if he'll share with us just some words of encouragement in about thirty seconds. Uh, some words to take into our week. Okay, next next week, uh, professors uh, Darren Middleton and Mark Dennis join me again. They've been on the show before. But this time they're going to discuss their new book of essays called Navigating Deep River, which is about uh, Shizaku Endo's final novel um, about four souls looking for some kind of awakening and redemption in India. A fascinating book. I read it last week. Uh, it's, it's wonderful. I'm really excited about talking about these essays discussing Deep River. So join me then for that. Um, but right now, Royce is going to give us some words of uh, encouragement. All right. Well, I think that everyone out there listening needs to realize that they have all the tools that they already need to create whatever it is that they want, whether that is uh, just even finding out what it is that they want. But you have everything. Your brain is like a supercomputer, and we live in this incredible world, and we're going through an extremely insane and tricky and very weird time and you always have your self and your mind to really fall back into and realize that you like paul just said you know you have it all already you have all the tools already um i love a quote by henry wadsworth longfellow it says that it takes a lot of right, time to do time. things 
We'll have to hear Longfellow's quote another time. Thank you, Royce, for being on the show. And thanks for listening, folks. All right. Take care now. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry, where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. 